Burner Phone is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. <laughs> Welcome to Burning Okay, guys, we are in a very special episode of he- of Hell. Very special because not only have I been trying to get this interview organized for a while, but he's like the ultimate host, and he like is always Whoa. in control on camera. And we're swapping it today. Like we are going to make him so uncomfortable. I am so excited. We are with the incredible Hunter March. I already that just that intro. I got so much anxiety going through my body. You clenched your butthole. It's uh, <laughs> don't worry. It, 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 what goes in there? Cause it, just have fun. It's a play area. Honestly, same. Um, <laughs> you. So I first discovered you on Nightly Pop. You didn't discover me though. I discovered you. Oh yeah, you did. I slid into your DMs and then I didn't realize you were in a relationship. <laughs> Because it wasn't like a super public thing. You were like posting it everywhere. And then like one day I saw you were getting married or something. And I'm like, okay, well, that's going to make it harder. But I'm just going to try to fuck her, I guess. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I've been like really into decentering men for my life. So no one knows what's going on. Yeah. But your DM, if I remember right, it could have been taken professionally. You it were just been like, taken. you're like, you're really funny. And I was like, maybe I he just has great it, taste. I looked it up right before we started this thing. I was like, that's oh, going to come up. It's like, what I say? I said, I wasn't going to call you out, but I like that you did. Oh, no, who cares? I, I said, big fan of everything about you with like the praise emojis, which very unlikely someone's going to take that entirely professionally. Uh, but it was, it, <laughs> the, it ended up becoming professional <laughs> only by circumstance. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So are you like a DM slider? I. When I'm dating, yeah, like when I'm like actively dating, but I'll go through, especially lately, just months and months and months of like, I don't want to see anybody because I know my brain too well. I know that I love dating yeah, and that it's fun and I easy. love having a crush. Ugh. And you could be like the shittiest person. And I will make it so fun to like you. It's the <laughs> best. I love that like first. But the problem is there's an attrition, right? It's like, especially, I don't know if you ever were in like a serious, like a lot of dating and you were loving it. Because how long have you been in your relationship now? Two years. Two years. We, we, it all happened very fast. I've had, I've had pretty normal length relationships, like a year here, a year and a half, maybe two. But I also feel like you are, you're like coming into your peak right now. Like you haven't yeah. even approached it. So you've spent your relationship in your peak. Good for that guy. Hey, great for him. But bummer for you, you know? You know, he's, yeah, he's at, he's ended his peak. He's 46. <laughs> so I got him when, he, I joke, when he was tired. Because let's be honest, in his peak, he wouldn't have been focused to be able to, like, have a healthy relationship. Down, yeah. He was touring, he was traveling. But I also think I like that in a time in my life where I'm now getting busy, I don't have to worry about dating. Mm, that's exactly what I want now too. Yeah. Which is why I'm not casually dating anymore. Now it's like, I'll go on a date. If I like the person a lot, I'll go on a second date. 
nothing happening first date. I'm being good. Oh my god. I'm being okay, good. Okay, Patty Stanger. I don't know who that is, but I like it. <laughs> she's in charge of Millionaire Matchmaker, and she has a dating show and all these rules where she's like, oh. you know, n- nothing in any hole until you're monogamous. <laughs> like all these rules that well, I don't. You make a hole with your to. hand. Is that okay? Nope. Really. So I guess you just gotta kind of do. It you like, could do like an over the pants like hand job. Bill, yeah, guess. you have to just keep the fingers together <laughs> and flat and rub Dude, over the. Very Mormon, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, I love this for you. Did you feel? Because it's fun to be like a guy in LA, good looking, have some success, and yeah. have. But you kind of burnt out. It's not that I burnt out. It's just that. It, I grew up here, so you it's got not, HPV. Yeah, I got a ton of <laughs> HPV everywhere. It was like, uh, no, I, I just, I really did, kind of realize like, oh man, this is such a time suck. Because even though the date's only an hour and a half or two hours or whatever, there's like texting for hours beforehand or whatever. And I try not to. Like usually when I like someone, I'll just either I'll meet them and I'll go, hey, I really want to take you out to dinner, and then. The next step is dinner. That's mature because I like they. There's something about like keep the high value conversation for in person, so that they want to connect with you in person. Because over text, it's so misleading. I've gotten like huge mm. crushes on guys over text because I'm like taking what they're saying as like funny and sarcastic, but they're really just dumb. Mm, yeah. And then you meet them in person, and you're like, "There's no charisma here that I just projected all my charisma onto you." Well, you, I think the <laughs> other problem is too. You are so charismatic that in we person, stop. no, I'm being serious because I, I'm, I'm the op, I'm with you. Like, I think yeah. when I go on a date, I'm comfortable. Like, I'm, I talk to people for a living. I do interviews. Yeah. It's not really like I'm never out of my element on a date. You can make a conversation good regardless. Yeah, and I feel like you can too. So when a guy's talking to you on text message, he thinks he's in control of the conversation. <laughs> And men like that, and some men who insecure men really do like being the dominant one. But on a date, as soon as they realize you're funnier than them, mm-hmm. and probably smarter than them, and just better than them, they shut down, and then they can't act right. I do have to do. say, long term, I'm as like boring as anyone, but I'm great on like <laughs> first date energy and like f- and interview, like a first interview, yeah. like I'm on my shit. And so many dates afterwards, I'm like, was that a good date? Or am I just really good at this? (laughs) I've been there too. And like, I also, because I'm like type A in a way, I'd even if I don't like the guy, I want the date to go well just because I want the experience to go well. But then you seem like a psycho when you're like, hey, I don't, I'm not into this. And they're like, but we laugh the entire time. I'm like, yeah, because that's just how I want to live my life. Okay. I want to laugh through this life, even if you're fucking annoying me. Yeah. Um, But, you're from you're an LA boy. I grew up in the valley. <gasps> yeah. We come from two different worlds. I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> two different valleys basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One valley a little smellier than the other. Yeah. And I like have this is my like fifth time ever coming to LA. Really? Yes. Cuz when I see you on Instagram I'm like oh she's everywhere she's by coastal then you had like a show where you were in the Hamptons or something yeah yeah I'm like where, where isn't she and then it turns out never here because we've been trying to set this up for never so long. here yeah. do you like being from LA do you like living in LA is it just all you know it's all I know but that being said I'm so ready to get out like I cannot wait I could see you in Austin it's too hot there I think <laughs> I think it's too Austin-y what are you trying to go to like Colorado yeah Oregon like Oregon or Washington have like a hundred acres in the woods, never have to see people. Like I, that's the problem though, because I need to get <laughs> married first because I'm not going to meet the love of my life as a hermit. So I need to get What's married. What's your sign? 
Aries. Okay. But I, I, I think growing up in LA, I've been like burnt out on, I never went to the parties and the clubs growing up. It wasn't my thing. And then when I started working in this industry, I started getting invited to things. Mm. Like I do a podcast with Paris Hilton, which was never, that wasn't on the mood board for me. Like it wasn't like a manifestation thing. I just listened to Annie Lederman's episode, so I'm saying that. But oh, yeah. <laughs> I do, I never. I, that was a chaotic episode. Oh boy, was it? I was like, well, I Let's gotta... just say that that was edited down from two hours. That was a chaotic oh. episode. <laughs> I was coming into this episode being like, I've got to figure out what are the darkest things in my entire life to bring up. Oh yeah, up. we're getting there. I'm just buttering you up right now. I'm like, <sighs> what's it like being from the Valley? Right, that's a good warm up question. <laughs> um, so then I started doing the podcast with Paris and she invited me to like her birthday and her wedding. Uh, wedding and stuff and in those split seconds I was there in the moments where I'm like looking around I'm like ooh that's it was a weird group of people at all of these things it was like Iggy Azalea was there and then Katie Couric and I was having a conversation with Katie because I was too nervous to go up to Iggy <laughs> uh, <laughs> but in those moments you start thinking and it's it's the LA effect is you think you belong in these circles that you just happen to have happenstanced into and my brain because I'm so like I still have that like insecure middle school guy in mm-hmm. me. I go, I don't belong here. And I always want to leave events. I never want to stay there because I realize I've seen all my friends go to one thing and then go, yeah, that's kind of my thing now. Like I do that. I'm like, no, you don't. You got, you waited in line. You got into somewhere and you met someone kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It's not a thing, you know? You come off, this is why you're funny though. Cause they always say like, the comics are we're not the cool kids we're the kids at the party who are kind of like joking about stuff and like don't actually want to be there because we have too much anxiety i do have to say i was watching you was it the oscars like what was a big event you recently did Uh, recently it maybe wasn't the oscars one of the award shows yeah that like everyone's kind of trying to be funny but it's not always happening Mm. and like you could tell everyone's nervous like they got the gig they wanted right and it cut to you like you're standing somewhere with a mic and you (laughs) made me laugh so hard like you have like natural i think it was the vanity fair after party after was it after will smith slapped chris rock this was like early on like it was early on in the night Oh, oh and, yeah. Oh, um, my okay. friend Naz, I love Naz. She was great. Yeah. She like cut to you and you just said some like wild, funny shit. Oh, it's the scariest thing <laughs> I do. Because you have like eight seconds. <laughs> yeah, when I'm on Nightly Pop, the the e- other e-show that I do, it's not live. So like I will say insane shit that yeah. shouldn't be said on television, especially not by a straight white guy. <laughs> like that's the most, I'm in the most dangerous position to say these and things. And you're with two women who Luckily, call your shit out. They call it out. So it's like I have this like natural barometer of how bad what I'm saying is, but I never say anything that's like canceled. I'm never like everything, nothing's offensive. But when I'm live, I don't know if you get this thing, but it's like as soon as the camera's like they go three, two, one, like four <laughs> fucked up things go through my brain. I go, don't say those. <laughs> and then I, I narrow down to like the one thing I can say. Also, I don't want to be on those carpets and I've told them repeatedly, like guys, I don't love carpets. Uh-huh. It gives me anxiety. I know you. And when I got the job at E, I specifically said, I don't want to do carpets. And they want to throw you on so bad. Because I think it's like, I'm the I'm the boyfriend that doesn't want to, I'm the guy that doesn't <laughs> want to be there. And so you're like, but don't you want to? And I'm like, no, I really don't. I like, I get so anxious. I don't, I don't have like a reverence for celebrities, like the entire culture Mm. of the network promotes. And so like when I meet them, I'm like, hi, how's it going? You know, like 
like I was talking to Jeff uh, Goldblum once, who I love. I think he's one of the greatest people. But I just like him for his skill. I'm not like enamored by yeah. his presence. Yeah. I just love You're him. You're not going to fangirl. Not going to fangirl. And so we started talking. We were flirting. Like it was very fun. That's fl- the best interview. It, it was the That's best. That's why you're probably actually really good at it, even though you, because you don't care about it that much. Yeah. I had the best time interviewing. And then someone on my team, not on my team anymore, was like, hey, make sure to kind of show a little bit more reverence. But Jeff Goldblum left the interview saying that was one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. No, because when you watch an interview, you don't you don't want the first two minutes them saying like, you're so amazing. No, you're so amazing. No, you're no. so amazing. It's like, okay, we get it. We're amazing. We're at an award show. Yeah. Let's like ask them weird things that get them like a little totally. uncomfortable. Yeah, I like going into anytime I interview someone, I think it's a really good concept for anything. You go into a job interview, you have a date, Everything is I go in with like three evergreen questions mm. or talking points or whatever, but I'm willing to abandon all of them past the hello if they bring up something more interesting. Because yes. you realize like as a host, you probably know this too. It's like being a good TV host is not about being noticed for being a good TV host. It's about not being noticed. Like you are, wow. you're just the conduit for the audience. Whatever the audience is thinking, you should be personifying or saying so that everyone feels like they're on the same page. Yes. You almost have to be the voice of the people. 100%. Like what the people are thinking and you're the truth teller. Because yeah. they'll get mad if they're... I've had interviews where when I first started where people were like, she didn't call him out or like she was too nice to that person. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I'm representing the people. Or you just go hard for like who you are and what you stand for. Which I think in your world is a little... Makes way more sense because it's comedy. It is such a personality driven this particular show. Mm-hmm. And I think anything you'll do moving forward. It's going to be hard to dial back the personality. <laughs> do you know my first dream? Well, my first dream was to be a tennis player. But at the end of it, I tried to be, at my last season, I tried to be a sports broadcaster. Oh, you'd be great. Because I love sports. Yeah. And I know all sports pretty well. I come from a sports family and I love the camera and I liked editing. But I realized that my personality was like too much for it because I wasn't. I knew all the athletes, but I got great interviews because they. We were just at the bar together the night before, and then yeah. I'm up to them and I'm talking to them. And I, you know what, my dream was to be like a host. Mm. Um, my dream was to be or a sports broadcaster, and then I guess I I leaned a little more into my personality, and now I I can't. I, but I could see myself in the future, like I mean, Nikki Glaser doing Fuckboy Island, like that's a dream oh, job. Yeah. It, like you being able to shit on all these guys all, all the time. But you are also like, you didn't just pop out. You are genetically like made to be a host. Your grandpa was like an icon in the Did host world. a little world. bit of research. Yes. I, in the Uber coming over, I, oh, in the Uber. I went pretty deep yeah. on the Wikipedia page. On my phone before the test, I did look <laughs> up. No, wait. Um, How March. How March. What a strong name. Super strong name. You know what's funny is I'm, Again, this is one reason why you inspire me and Annie and everybody else who does stand-up. I love stand-up. I think stand-up's one of the greatest mediums ever. Um, I have tried it three times. I didn't do bad. Like, Mm -hmm. I only bombed once, and that's because I came in thinking, the first two were good. I'll improvise. And I was like, holy (laughs) fuck. But bombing is also good because it means you're, like, working on stuff, and then you get less scared of the bomb, and you learn how to, like, navigate a bomb. Which was great. And I learned a lot about myself, about everything. But then I realized people who do, who get good at stand up. Hate themselves? Yeah. Well, (laughs) I'm good there. Um, You're like, I don't need laughter every (laughs) night. I have self esteem. No, no, no. I'm not that. I need the laughter. But I realized that people who like don't, if they don't do well at stand up, they go back to a job that they hate. Like, Mm. stand up is 
they're like, that's the thing. If they don't have that, nothing else will make them even remotely close to as happy. Right. And that's why they, they're so driven and why stand-up comedians go through one of the hardest transitions of any career ever to get good. Right. It's mm. like the biggest learning curve. And a lot of them are trying to become television personalities, actors, whatever. So I go up, and then if I don't have a good night, I go, I'll just go back to being a television host. I'll never have to do this again. Like, You're there's like, no wait, drive. I'm doing what you all want to do. We joke that the stand-ups will make fun of, like, actors. Like, oh, I'm an actor. My art. I'm an mm. actor. When, meanwhile, the second we get an acting gig, we're like, fuck stand-up. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's also, like, it's a grimy, like, it's a hard job. Oh, it's disgusting. That's why women don't do it. People are like, women aren't funny. No, it's because it's disgusting. So and women, so unfortunate. it's like to go into bars at like 2 a.m. in a gross place full of disgusting men. Ugh. Like it's and then you have to make them laugh like it's tough. And that's why it, it gets hard. But I, I do think that with stand up, I was told by like my team, like you're going to lose shows. You're going to get shows. You're going to have chances. But the one thing you can always be in control of is your stand up career. And I joked mm. with you, like I always wanted to be by coastal because I like, you know, I had to shoot something in L.A. And it's like, <laughs> no, I actually just like I can just be like, hey, can someone book a gig for me and I'll do it. So it is yeah. very like entrepreneurial in that way, which Absolutely. is fun. But growing up and so Hal was a comic, too. He how was a comic, but being a comic back then was a little bit different. He had a radio show. Yes. And uh, Sweeney and March or March and Sweeney, whatever it was. And they were like one of the biggest radio shows. Wow. Then he became uh, the host of the $64 question or the $64,000 question, which was the original Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Wow. And I'm now the reason I bring up the stand up is I'm writing like a one man show that I am giving myself five years to finish. I don't care yeah. if I do it anytime soon, but really it's like the story of my how my parents met, but it goes through the backstory of my grandparents because I realized, and the, this is how I imagine starting the show, it's like when my parents, I didn't have any grandparents. I only knew one before she passed away when I was young. And so all of the stories of their parents are gone. Like, wow. I don't know anything about them besides what I can Google. So I, and I just want to be able to tell my kids like, hey, this is who your grandparents were. This is who your great grandparents were. And so I started writing this thing thinking it would be like a children's book. And then I realized my family's pretty fucked up. I would not <laughs> read any of this shit to my children. Like my, I realized my great grandpa's middle name, they all changed their names. Everybody in my family changed their names from something. But my great grandpa's middle name was Adolf. And I was like, good thing, Jewish, <laughs> Jewish. But Adolf was somehow the middle name. Okay. And then I was like, well, thank God it wasn't a first name. Turns out his dad's first name was Adolf. <laughs> so now that I've like read, and then it's like the story, there's like suicide in this story in my family oh, yeah. and like closet. My grandpa was a closeted gay man and my mom knew. It's like crazy stuff. And so for me, stand up would be like the perfect way to tell this such a dark story. And that's the type of stand up I'd love to do. Oh, yeah. Well, my, it sounds weird to say, my husband, he's done one man shows about the death of his parents like when mm. his dad passed away because he learned all this stuff about his dad's life that ended up being like super dark and but you yes. go, go on this journey of it where you realize like it made you who you are and then his mom passed away and he's like my mom will curse me out if I just had <laughs> to show my dad <laughs> so I had to do it my mom <laughs> she'll like put a spell on me in heaven yeah. so and it's interesting and I'm like wow our children are going to be very mentally ill but it's <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so interesting to to learn like oh that's what made me me and like the generational trauma but also how each generation tries to be better than the last 
Oh, we're all trying. It's funny because I I wonder if my I don't think my dad tried to be better than the last. One. My dad was like my grand. His dad was like, one of the biggest movie stars and television stars in the world. Yeah. He was on I Love Lucy a lot. His show was so popular. My grandfather said. It was getting like 30 million viewers an episode. Shut the fuck unheard up. Of. The president reportedly at the time, again, all stuff I've researched now, mm-hmm. would say that there were no meetings, no conversations during the time because he wanted to watch the show. And crime fell by like 30 to 40 percent during the hour of his show at its heyday. And you never met him. I never met him. He passed away when my dad was like 11. And I never wanted to. It's not like my, my parents growing up were like, you keep trying to be funny and just annoying everyone around you you're going to be a television host yeah. nobody said that nobody thought about it it was just there was a talent show at school and I was watching all these kids go up and sing Jason Mraz that's what it was at the time and uh, I was like I can't sing and then I would see kids dance I'm like I can't dance <laughs> and then they're like "Who? we want someone to host the talent show and I was like what are the qualifications they're like TV hosts don't have any qualifications. (laughs) Most of the time, you just work. You just need to want attention. Totally. The only qualification nowadays is that you were on The Bachelor. That's like the only qualification for being a TV host in 2022. Um, Well, your your story is interesting because like you're a white dude that has kind of like navigated the industry and you're on one of like the most relevant late night shows for like m- people my age millennials which is weird i never thought our audience was young until like the last couple years i've realized that there are not just 55 because when we started doing the show they're like our audience is no 50 and up we grew up on e- on e i guess like the kardashians have a lot of different people that watch but like yeah. e was what i grew up with e had wild ass shows yeah it did and it's nostalgic and stuff but um do you f- do you feel like deep down you are great at what you do because of your grandpa i think it's just passed down through nurture in that way like my dad is super funny Mm -hmm. very charismatic very charming Mm -hmm. and then i think i just same with my dad really yeah but he's like never thought that he could ever like perform in any way like to this day i'm like dad start a podcast on like on like new york sports and he's like no (laughs) and he'll say stuff and i'm like that's a stand-up bit and he's just like no but like uh, grumpy just gr- yes yeah. just tired and grumpy my dad's tired and grumpy too but he we, we grew up so poor with him on the weekends and then with my mom we were like going to hawaii for christmas and stuff like oh, middle nice. upper middle class and so now my dad is like he retired to costa rica because that's the only place he could kind of afford to live it's not like wild a, it's not like a oh all the money in the world go to costa rica it's like four hundred dollars running a month from rent. something I think just himself. (laughs) But he, uh, so like my whole thing is I'm trying to like support and help as much as I can, but we'll do videos and like one will go viral. And we had one go super viral on TikTok, like 4 million views and like hundreds of thousands of likes. And then he started sleeping with women that would comment on the thing. He would like, I'd be like, dad, how'd you meet her? He goes, on that TikTok, I responded to her thing. And then we met up, we started talking on Instagram. She lives in San Diego. I'm going, and I'm like, we're never shooting a fucking video again. You're going to give me a little brother. You have to stop. Oh my God. So now I'm like, I've told him the dangers of the internet. I'm like, you are being catfished by <laughs> one of those women for sure. He's been scammed online. And I'm like, dad, you can't do this. You need to get him a flip phone. Uh, I, the problem is I gave him his iPhone against his will. I was like, you can't, you, if he you're going to live in Costa Rica, I need to be able to FaceTime yeah. you. But he also like, cra- I put a, a screen protector on his phone 
like one of those like glass ones, whatever. And when I went to visit him in Costa Rica, I saw that his phone was shattered. I'm like, what happened? He goes, I dropped the fucking thing. Can you believe it? And I go, dad, it's just the screen protector. <laughs> he go, and I go, let me take it off. He goes, no, 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 don't take it off. Cause if you take it off, then I'll break the other thing. I go, you're not just gonna live with a cracked phone. What are you, who are you? What are you doing? And so I took it off again. Everything's against my dad's will for the better of him. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like you have to parent him a little bit. Oh, not a little bit. It's and my mom growing up was like, you don't realize your dad needs your help. Like you think he's the coolest guy in the world, but he needs your help. And oh, she was so, he so was the right. fun one. Super fun. And she was probably like, well, someone needs to fucking raise these kids. <laughs> yeah, she had it rough. <laughs> when did they divorce? When I was four. Oh, OK. So it was it was early. Yeah, I don't remember any of it. I just know that they were better off apart for sure. And they were amicable for most of the... That's great. Most of my life, still amicable. But yeah, she had to deal with like homework and school and bringing us back in like... We, admin. Ashley was an admin. Mm -hmm. And she, like, I never did homework. So I got in so much trouble. Every single report card. She'd be like, isn't your report card supposed to come? I'm like, mm, aren't you supposed to mind your own business? <laughs> You're like, worry about yourself, mom? <laughs> yeah, worry about yourself. No, I was like, I don't know where it is, mom. Oh, no, worry about dad. Where is he? Yeah. Has anyone seen him? <laughs> yeah. So you also wrote a self-help book for teens. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's like one of my, that's my least exciting accolade. I, I'm like so embarrassed by No, the I'm fact fascinated by it because like, why did you think teens needed your help? <laughs> what god a complex did you have? No, but what, what made you inspired to do it? Well, I was doing, I had a YouTube channel and just like every other kid did back then. I was doing a lot of comedy stuff, but then I started working for this company called Awesomeness TV. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did a series where I gave advice to like, we had mostly girl audience, but from the guy's perspective. Yeah. I wasn't trying to tell you how to live your life. I was just saying, hey, this is probably how the guy's thinking about it. Yeah, just mansplaining everyone. No, I'm just kidding. Absolutely. <laughs> and also mansplaining in the worst way where I was sugarcoating everything because it was teen girls. So I'd be like, he probably just didn't see the text. You know, I was like really <laughs> fucked up. But I should have just been like, listen, Like he clear. likes you. Keep calling yeah. him every night. He's confused. <laughs> yeah. So that, uh, again, not great. But then I, I did enjoy it. And it was really fun to do. And so one day, Scholastic, I approached me and we're like, hey, would you ever want to do a book? And I was like, I would love to do like a chicken soup for the soul because I don't think I'm capable of writing a full book. At mm -hmm. least I don't think I should. Mm -hmm. So I'll write half the stories and then the other half of the stories will be written by other influencers. And oh, then, cool. Yeah, and then I was like, well, this is crazy because I guess I'm the next Jack Canfield, the guy who wrote Chicken <laughs> Soup for the Soul. And then turns out not a lot of kids read books. So <laughs> I... I had a meet and greet that like six people showed up to and I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to end it all. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. But it's funny because it's like, I feel like the early children, the parents will read the books to them. And then it's like, they only read, I only read stuff that my school forced upon yeah. me. And let's be honest, we spark noted it. Yeah. And now we all can't read for shit <laughs> longer than a caption. If the caption's too long, I'm not reading that shit because yeah. someone's overcompensated for something. Yeah, 1000%. Was there any advice though, since no one read it, <laughs> was there any advice from it that you liked to tell teens about their life? Oh, teens. Yeah. For all your teen listeners of But I also feel hell. like it, it's applicable to like... Like stuff from your teens, I feel like is as important to now. Sometimes yeah. you have to, you're still that little kid inside. Yeah. Here's my advice. Don't write a book. <laughs> That's the biggest advice I can pull away from that entire experience. I would say save the book for when you have a story that only you can tell. Nobody else can tell that story. Mm -hmm. And you've ruminated on it for like a decade at yeah. least yeah. and then write a book by all means but like I think a lot of people do it prematurely 
just like I did. But again, it was I was opportunistic because I was young and I didn't. And someone said you can do this, and I was I was going to school to become an English teacher before I dropped out to do this. Oh, yeah, I was in college for. Oh, so you six dropped months. out for Awesomeness TV? I dropped out for Awesomeness TV, which is. Uh, the worst part about my obituary is like when it says awesomeness <laughs> TV in it. It's just like I started at Betches. Like I was the, I was the video producer. I was the seventh hire. Whoa. Yeah, we have a similar story in that like I was doing nothing. I was like doing marketing, quit my job, and then started working making funny videos for Betches. And that's how yeah. I then got on to do other shit. But like this is the thing with hosting gigs. Everyone was like, I want to do a hosting gig. It is so fucking hard to get a hosting gig. So like the fact that you took awesomeness TV and then were able to like become a face that's trusted on a cable network is pretty great. Yeah, when like young people come up to me or anybody, you know, I'll get like people who are 45 and they go, I really want to be a TV host. How do you do it? Mm -hmm. My genuine answer is like, be really, really good at like talking and being charming and all that. But also then beyond that get so lucky so many times <laughs> along the way because I look back at like my career and I, I can point out like 10 different times where I happened to make the right decision mm -hmm. on a 50-50 yeah like staying at Austinus when I was younger as opposed to going to somewhere that offered more money and then folded six months later wow or uh, someone was like oh, there was this game show network they were like do you want to do the general and then I was like I'm so busy right now can we push it and they're like it's up to you. And I was like, all right, I'll just go to the general. Happened to go to this general meeting at Game Show Network. And then they were like, we're doing a test for a game show if you want to come to the test. Meaning I've skipped now the audition. I've skipped the callback and the callback. And now I'm going to a test where there's just 10 people in a room who've all practiced this thing 45 times now. And it's my first time doing it. They're like, it's uh, this week. If I had pushed the meeting, I wouldn't have gone to the test. And then I wouldn't have got the gig. Because when I started working for Awesomeness, I would write this like daily report thing that I weaseled my way into. So it was like three minutes every day of a news report for this YouTube channel, but I would write it, I would set up the camera, I would record myself and hope it was in focus. I would focus on myself, press record. I would shoot the whole thing, have to memorize my lines. We didn't <gasps> have a teleprompter. So I had to like no. read like a paragraph and say a paragraph. No. And, read. and then I had to edit myself for the first like 700 episodes of that show because we couldn't get an editor. We yep. couldn't just afford one or whatever. Yeah. And nothing makes you a better anything than watching yourself do it over and over again and hating your voice. And also, <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, having like the experience to know all facets of the job, even though now you get to kind of just like go up there and be the forefront, but you know exactly kind of what they're doing behind the scenes, which makes you better at your job. Totally. I love playing to cruise. Yeah. Like when I'm performing on a set it's rare that i care about making my co-host laugh as much as i care about making camera guys laugh mm -hmm. because if camera guys are laughing people at home are laughing that's how it was on reality tv except they normally cut what made the camera guys laugh so people at home they never saw that shit but like you're sitting there and you, you this is a human holding like you're bloated in a bathing suit like crying about something <coughs> you have to turn to the you have to get the camera guy to yeah. laugh a little because I'm like how did you end up here it's 90 degrees in the Hamptons and uh, you have to watch me talk about a fucking like anyway so <laughs> they you want their approval more than anybody else on a set it's because they seem so judgmental all the camera guys they're veterans. They've they're like yeah, because you're gonna get fake laughs from your host. You want the guys who are not having a good time uh, to turn. I love. You want to turn the audience. That's all I care about.
Burner Phone is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. In terms of depression and anxiety, are you you both? Are you one or the other? Do you lean towards one? I was dealing with like pretty bad depression and anxiety for like the end of last year, beginning of this year. And then... um, I got it got so bad that like one of my friends was like, hey, uh, I kind of worried about you. And I was like, really? And then they're like, yeah, you should you should maybe talk to someone. I was like, I've got a therapist. They're like, do you ever get vulnerable with your therapist? I'm like, no, it's more like what happens when we die? He's like, you're wasting your money, big guy. But there was like this person that I was talking to was actually a new friend. It was a girl that I was dating at the time. And she I love her like she was so helpful to me. She was younger than me, but she was so much smarter than me when it came to emotional maturity. And Mm. she was like, when you leave a room and you've just made everyone laugh, do you think that they leave that party? And this is a good question for you too. Mm. Do you think they leave that party going, I had a fun time, like that was nice. Hannah was very funny, Hunter was very funny. And I was like, yeah, probably. Like when I meet someone really funny, I think that I'll I'll go home with that energy. It's like, makes makes your night better. And then she's like, do you leave that room? Or do you drive home thinking, oh, that was a really funny thing. I'm so glad I did. I was like, no, I kind of just think like about the one bad thing I said. Mm -hmm. And she's like, that's not good. Like, you don't want to become the next Robin Williams. And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah." And then I started like, (laughs) I had like, she was like, who do you cry to? And I was like, I haven't cried to anybody. Wait, I need to date this girl. (laughs) The best. (laughs) You should sleep with her. Because I'm with a comedian right now, so we just, gets, we uh, enable yeah. each other. Totally exponential depression in that relationship. Um, it, It's so interesting you said that. I, I learned, I used to put a lot of pressure on myself to be like, I have to say the right thing all the time, and like, what am I going to say? And then I learned, like, people don't remember what you say, they remember how you, they make you made them feel so mm. then I was like I need to make everyone feel like well, it doesn't amazing. make it any better <laughs> I need to make everyone feel amazing <laughs> and then I started to learn like you know that's kind of pre-decided like your energy is just there and that was hard for yeah. me to like just accept that like some people you're gonna vibe with some people you aren't and that's okay because totally. I'm like I want everyone to think I'm awesome yeah and then also yeah leaving conversations and just being like I freaked everyone out when like realistically everyone was like Hannah was great and yeah. I'm like everyone hates me they think I'm super weird <laughs> and <laughs> so that and that's also just the story you're telling yourself absolutely there was someone who I think it was her who said you need to be okay with people not liking you ah! and I was like I know, but what, that feels weird. And yeah. she's like, yeah, but it's okay because what are the odds that you're the one person on the planet who everyone likes? You're not. You don't like certain people. So obviously some people the might not like you. The hard thing is for our gig, like you have to, if people don't like you, you don't get hired. Totally. I think, again, oh, this is the thing my therapist said. He goes, you need to be able to take that hat on and off. Yes. Of performing. True. Put that hat on when you walk onto set. When you're with your family, when you're with your friends, you don't need to worry about that. You don't need to be that person. But again, and my my friend 
we, we were doing a small amount of mushrooms at the Getty, and <laughs> I, which is a great experience if you're over 18, uh, <laughs> over 25 actually. I don't recommend drugs really to anybody unless you're over. I didn't do them until I was over 25. Um, anyway, we were at the Getty, and I was a little bit high with my buddy, who was also a little bit high. And he goes, "Does it ever weird you out that like you're in public right now, high, but you're also like somewhat famous, like?" a modicum of fame and I go no because nobody really comes up to me like that it wasn't it was early on in the career Mm -hmm. and then almost within seconds five little girls came up to me like on a school field trip to the Getty and said hi are you Hunter March and in my brain I just heard the brain go (laughs) and I looked and they were the sweetest nicest little girls luckily it was such a small amount that I was able to shut it out but then when I sat back down I had never been like higher. I was like, what the fuck just well, happened? What that guy said, that would have triggered me immediately. I would have had a panic attack immediately if he's like, isn't it scary you <laughs> yeah. being famous and possibly doing the wrong thing right now while you're high off your mind? I'd be like, well, now I will. Yeah. Um, that- <laughs> but then he said such a beautiful thing. He's like, we were talking about it and we were trying to like, what is fame? And we we're like, it's just weird because it's not that I get noticed everywhere I go. It's not like if I go to a very public place and I'm there long enough, it'll happen. But for the most part, it's like I'm a human with a circle around me. And if anybody comes into that circle who happens to know who I am, there's a chance I get recognized. And the only thing I'm really losing, which is why I don't want to get more any, like, I don't care about being a superstar. That's not my thing at all. But the only thing I've lost is I can't go to, like, Asia and just get hammered at a bar and not care about what I do. Like, I can't go to Portugal and just party my ass off because there is this circle where if someone decides to film me being a jackass or drunk off my head or you know running on the street naked whatever it is <laughs> you're like look I just want to streak in Japan and now I can't now I can't <laughs> uh, yeah there's this like weird thing where like there's that little bubble however everyone has one to a degree like even if you're not on camera but you're in your hometown you have a bubble around you mm-hmm. of people who might recognize you it's probably not something you've ever noticed because not a big deal but the bigger that bubble gets the more noticeable it is for you in your life I've actually interviewed a couple people who are like doing really well and they're like I don't want to be like crazy famous though no and you don't even realize the levels until you're like in that world to be like oh they can't even get their nails done <laughs> oh, nothing. and the kind of change of life that is and but then you also realize holy fuck even though they're being treated like they're not a human they're still human mm. and they still are dealing with this stuff with the same emotional capacity that like they were when they weren't famous yeah and that's fucking strange and also going back to like everyone liking you thing, I always think of like if like for example, you have like a cute shirt on right now. Thank if you. If you showed that to ten people, just ten Americans, you'd get a wide range of opinions. And like this sweater didn't do anything to anyone. It's no. just that's that and you wouldn't be offended either. You'd be like, Yeah, you probably wouldn't like you definitely would not wear it. You can't even yeah. pull this off, so don't worry <laughs> about it. But you don't get that unless you're like being yourself and I think when I was younger I would try to mold to like what anyone wanted of me so it's almost like kind of becomes a good thing they say you get more hate as you get more famous but it's also like you're becoming more who you are so people are going to start being like oh I don't I don't want that in my life and that's valid yeah I mean I talk about fucking labia lips all the time and that's my choice that's one of my favorite things (laughs) on the planet so I'm definitely not going to be one of the haters Okay, it's time for a game. It's called The Seven Deadly Sins. Seven Deadly Sins. What 
are you greedy about? Uh, what am I greedy about? Um, what are some good answers you've gotten on this That's show? That's so cheating. <laughs> That's absolutely cheating. That one. <laughs> um, what am I greedy about? I, you know, when I was younger, I really did want money. Like... Mm. Growing up without money on the weekends and with money on the week. Wait, that's insane. I feel like I rarely hear that kind of story. Well, yeah, it's just my dad, like, he decided to fuck his way through college and high school. He didn't go to college because he fucked his way through high school. He ended up fucking one of the women in the neighborhood when he was a senior in high school. His buddy was a pool boy. He said, hey, I just slept with this woman. Jeffrey, my dad, you should go be the pool boy in two weeks and see if you can also sleep with her. He did. Went back to school the next day, told his buddy. Got a call at school. The guy said, uh, I heard you fucked my wife. Gonna fucking kill you now. My dad didn't think he was serious. Went to his buddy's house after school. And then his mom called my grandma and said, hey, Jeffrey, there's a, one of your friends is outside an SUV or something. Because they had a massive house in Bel Air. It wasn't like there weren't. It's not like a car could be parked for multiple houses. It was in front of their mansion. Estate. Estate. And uh, my dad knew it was serious. And he uh, apparently the guy was in the mob. And. My dad snuck into the back of the house, packed a bag, and went to Colorado and Oregon, where he lived for like two years and didn't get to walk on stage, didn't go to college. And that's why my dad is poor. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what do you mean walk on stage? Like he didn't get to walk across the stage to get his... Oh, I thought you, I was thinking stand-up. I was like, oh, is he doing He did not sets? do any stand-up either. <laughs> uh, it was like, he's not a great... As soon as the camera's on, he shuts off. But anyway, so <laughs> that's why he didn't have money. So when I was growing up, my mom would be like, you don't want to live paycheck to paycheck like your dad and then i'd go to my dad and be like mom said something mean he'd be like what did she say like, you don't want to live paycheck to paycheck like your dad he was like, you don't want to live paycheck to paycheck. Like, are you fucking kidding your mom's right don't be a jackass do well and so what like your mom do for a living she was a bookkeeper oh, and so she has her shit together she's still my finance person so for so long like i saved and saved and saved and then i bought a house when i was 25 and now that I just finished renovating it, it wasn't like an insane extravagant thing. It's not an insane house, but like it's my house. I'm so thankful that I saved and did that. Uh, that money was the thing I was super greedy for. And now I think I'm really greedy for uh, just comfort, like success mm. comfort. Like I just want to not worry about this industry anymore. Like I'd love enough money and enough security or power to be like, when I want to produce a show, I produce a show. When I want to get a gig, I get a gig. So that's yeah, what people don't for. talk a lot about like once you're making money, the different th problems that arise. And also it's like, OK, well, now how much is it? And do you get that chase of like, I just need as much as possible or more money, more problems. Oh, and <laughs> you become a workaholic and want just extravagance amount for power. Or you're like, you know what? If I hit this amount, I'll be happy. I mean, I'm like you. I really envision creating just like a cat sanctuary in montana and just like yeah. painting amazing i really want to paint <laughs> you not paint not right now but I like paint. I we can we can have a painting paint? day yeah yeah bring your husband to la <laughs> just so it's not weird i don't want to get in trouble i go he's my paint partner yeah. like, don't forget we paint together <laughs> yes is he naked while i paint absolutely he's yeah, my little french we girl both are. who cares <laughs> it's fine it's the thing it's hot in la who are you envious of who am i envious of I'm envious of the, I'm envious of dumb people. <laughs> Wait, that's the best answer I've ever gotten because I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, there's like a beauty. I, it, it's <laughs> in the book by, have you ever read Siddhartha by Herman Hess? No. You have to read it. I'm telling you right now, especially someone in our industry. It's my favorite book I've ever read. But basically this man is too smart for his own good and overthinks everything. And at some point he just realizes at the end of his life, 
that the people he's been ridiculing, like, oh, they're just the masses. They're just dumb. They follow what everyone else says, but I'm looking for my own thing. At the end, he realizes, like, oh, that's childlike love that they have for the world. Mm. And I don't have that because I don't like the child version of myself. You know, I never like. Oh, shit. And so for me, it was like, when I heard that, I was like, oh. That is so fascinating because we all are chasing now, like, that moment when you're a kid, nothing going on in your head. You're just, like, smelling the leaves or whatever. And that yeah. mo- you're not worried about taxes. You're not worried about nothing. the meeting the next day. And you now want to find that place, even though your whole life was, like, growing out of it. Ignorance is bliss. I did learn that in terms of when you're in the public eye how like it's actually okay to not know what articles are being written about you what people are saying about you at first i was like mm-hmm. no you got to control it. you got to know what's going on and it's like actually you can choose to just not know and totally. how not knowledge is power oh <laughs> don't ever search your name in quotes on twitter uh, no because that's what people no, i haven't searched myself see. on google in like over a year i don't have google alerts like you just it's been incredible for my mental health that's great. I don't know if I've ever, I haven't searched myself on Google in years and years and years. Probably like since it, I first got You know, got in the beginning, it was kind of fun to Google yourself and like your face was there. Yeah, like yeah, that was like fun. And then now you're like, oh Lord, I just, I don't want to know. I've even had situations where I've been mad at myself because I'm like, you should have seen that coming, figured that situation out. Why were you not ahead of the game with that? When it's like, if I was just dumb, I would have been like, that shit happens. Totally. But I'll look back and I'm like, how did you not see that coming? And it's like, because right. I'm not a fucking psychic. Yeah, how nice would it be to go, I, sh- I shouldn't have seen that coming. And now that it has, I'm too dumb to deal with it. So I'm just going <laughs> to continue on with the life I was living. Well, that was sports. Like, I joke that, like, athletes are dumb, but they were the ones who would get in the zone. And when I would play, I, I would rarely be in the zone. I'd always be like, why is that person eating that over there? And, like, oh, that totally. person is judging me there. And I need to be in control of, like, when that person, they went to the bathroom, but they'll be coming back and they don't think I'm playing well. Like, I was just... Which is why I'm good at comedy now, because I can like be having a side conversation with this person while that person's heckling me, while also finishing this joke while going back to yell yeah. that person. But I still need to meditate. Um, what are you gluttonous about? Gluttonous about what do you overindulge in? Mm, I overindulge. What do I? Uh, that's like my thing is I don't really overindulge in anything. Wow. Like I, I'm too restrictive to like enjoy certain things. Yes. Meth would probably be it, I guess. Because I guess that I do have a problem there. Um, no. I oh, so done, you're 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 not a let loose type of guy. R- again, rarely because I when I was 18, I had like a YouTube channel that I thought I was famous with. Yeah. I wasn't. But like I had that fear of like, oh, I can't say anything bad or do anything bad. And then I would see my friends drink who were from the valley, the worst type of human ever. Yeah. And they would be getting fucked up and just saying insane I mean, YouTubers shit. nowadays, they're like, all they do is cocaine, right? Oh, all of them. Yeah. Like, cocaine's insanely <laughs> popular. And I've never done coke. Neither have I. Oh, my God. Hey, to <laughs> I'm you. scared. Yeah, and we're both lying, right? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I really never have. I, I didn't drink till I was 27. Yeah. That was the first sip of alcohol I had. You also probably had a, I, I mean, not to psychoanalyze you, but you were scared of becoming your dad. I was scared of becoming my stepbrothers who were all drug addicts. So that, that'll do it as well. All of it. All of it was. I always world. joke that like, I never tried cocaine because like, if I try it and I don't like it, then it's a bad night. And if I try it and then I do like it, then I like cocaine at 30. <laughs> yeah. <that's>, <laughs> I will never try Like, There's no, ever. I will actually, I've said this story once, but at my bachelorette party someone like my bachelorette someone was like you have to do cocaine <laughs> and i'm sitting there and also like i didn't do drugs for a while because i was a tennis player like we get yeah. drug tested you actually like, couldn't do drugs 
So I was like, fine. And I take one like snort, whatever. I sound so stupid right now. And I immediately, blood just starts coming out of my nose. Like my body was so pure that it just rejected it. And we just started dying. (laughs) And I was like, well, guess I'm not meant to do cocaine. Wow, that's the ultimate sign. That's great. Literally just blood down. Um, so I did no it. Superpowers. That no sucks. superpowers. No yeah, superpowers. I, I also I I get like um hypersensitive to stimulants. Like even even coffee. I'll be like, am I like having anxiety attack right now? Because I had mm. a little caffeine. Yeah, like any energy drink will do that to me. I don't like doing cocaine because it ruins my heroin high. I thought you never did it. I've never done it because it ruins my heroin. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I've never done. That. I've never done any of those drugs. Oh, I thought you said it ruins your hair when you're high. No, heroin. Heroin. High. Yeah, there's a lot of drug talk for someone who's never done drugs. I love talking about drugs. My stepbrothers <laughs> tell me stories that are so fucking insane. Yeah. The most crazy thing you've ever. I don't heard. like being out of control in my mind. I'd rather like my mind in control has enough chaos. Um, yeah. When was the last time you experienced extreme wrath or anger? Do you ever like lose it? Never. Like I've never yelled at anybody in my life. I swear to God. <laughs> what about like fighting with ex-girlfriends? Nope. I'm like the most passive man. <laughs> I hate. I hate yelling. I hate fighting. I think it leads to other issues in the relationship. Like I end up allowing things I shouldn't allow happen yeah. because I don't like confrontation. But that's another thing that I started working on because of that one Being girl. Assertive. She's like, you need to set boundaries and stick to them. And I'm like, wow. yeah, but then what if people don't like me? Wow, then, me and you are very similar, and that's why we probably wouldn't have worked out because we're. Well, let's not knock it. Oh my god! When was the last time you were a sloth? So like lazy piece of shit. In my mind, all the time. <laughs> that's you know, true, that's like true. I always think I should be work- like. That's funny. Again, through therapy, my therapist is like, Hunter, you have to understand, you you're not grinding as like a YouTuber anymore. You now have a foothold in this industry to a degree and now your moves are calculated. It's not as much work, it's just more calculated work. Yes. And so I told work my mom, smart. work smart, not hard. I told my mom, I was like, mom, I got this great advice from my therapist. He said, it's about working smart, not hard because I'm like a rocket ship and I've exited the atmosphere. And so now it's just a little sh- 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 And my mom goes, yeah, but don't you think you should work pretty fucking hard? And I was like, oh, you're the problem. <laughs> you're the reason I'm this way. And that's when we figured it out. And I was like, "Mom, you can't, you can't put that on me. I'm, I'm, it's, I'm more successful than anybody I went to high school with. Mm-hmm. Let me live in that for a little it's, bit. It's crazy because therapy won't necessarily like answer your problems, but it will make you self-aware to be like, "Oh, I'm not crazy. I think this because of this, totally. and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, totally. I see my parents in a different perspective now. Like when I have conversations with them now, instead of just like having impulsive feelings from it, I go." Oh, okay. So that, they're yeah. saying that, which means yeah. that. And that's why that was happening. Normally I'd react like this, but now I know. So I'm going to go like that. Mm-hmm. So we love a man in therapy. We truly do. Yeah. When was the last time you let your pride or the ego get in the way of something? That's a constant battle. Mm-hmm. Not the ego in like the super negative way, but just I I know what I'm good at. And being on like a cable television show where cable is naturally a slow moving beast it's like a cruise ship trying to do a 180 in a, in a harbor. And my ideas are like, hey, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. Which is YouTube mentality. It, absolutely. And that's what they say. They're like, that's YouTube mentality. And they're like, it's going to take us three days to edit. I go, I could edit it in an hour. And then I realize that even if I'm right, it doesn't look good. Nobody wants to play with that guy. Nobody wants to do anything. So that working at this company, I mean, we've done like 600 episodes of Holy Nightly Pop now. Holy fuck. Yeah, it's been four years. And so... I've had the ultimate, like, 
like I've been so lucky at every job to get the learning experience I did, but this one was really a lesson in something I think Winston Churchill said is like, if you have a rope on a table and you have your finger on one side of the strand, trying to push that rope where you want it to go, it'll just crumble around you or it won't really do what you want it to do. Instead, grab the rope and pull it wherever you want it to go and the entire rope will follow in one line behind you. And it's this idea of like not pushing for the things you want, but bringing people with you into your ideas. Ooh. And that changed a lot of things for the one well, month Well, I also I think it. that show has been as successful as it is because I feel chemistry when I watch with you guys. Like I yeah. feel like you actually like each other. Yeah. Do you I'm, ever fight? Yeah, not, I don't really fight with anybody. Again, it's <laughs> not really my thing. I can't like a demon. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm usually the guy, like they get mad at me because I'll go, it's not really a big deal. Oh yeah. You know, and they're like. They're like, Kimmy, he broke up. Literally, Morgan <laughs> says that shit to me all the time. She goes, Hunter, can you just fucking be a friend for a second? I'm like, you're, one day you're going to realize that I was the only person actually helping you mentally. Like everybody else is feeding into the drama and it feels good and it's exciting because it's like, seeing a car crash. I'm the person going, hey, it's probably not healthy to look at that car crash. What if there's someone in there? You know, what if it gets worse? What if you looking at it causes another crash? Stuff like that. And then they're like, you suck to talk to. And I'm like, but also, don't talk to me about Morgan it. knows better than anyone what it's like being the receiving end of shit too. So it's like, there's a thin line between like, are you, like I have changed how I speak about celebrity gossip because it's so easy to be mean. So easy. And then you're, and th that's not actually like a good sense of humor. No. So it's finding like, I'm always like, if I do say something mean, I'm always like, I do not know this person. And this is the narrative that people are throwing to me. And it makes me feel this type of way. Not to cause drama, but I will. Um, my best friend Paige, who I have Giggly Squad with, yeah, is yeah. like obsessed with Morgan. Really? Like, in a, I think she's met her. Um, but it's in a way where like she aspires by her career, her fashion, everything. And Paige always had like a baby name that was Ro. And then Morgan, she literally called it, she goes, Morgan took my baby name. <laughs> and I was like, and she was like making this whole thing. And she's like, I never said it in public. Cause like, I didn't want anyone to steal it. And then like my hero is the one who takes the name. And I'm like, wow. you guys both have great taste. You both have great taste. And then I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I'm saying my baby name. It's Lucy. Fuck. It's Lucy. I'm saying it next week. Andy Cohen comes out and says his, his daughter's name was Lucy. So then we made a whole fake conspiracy that Andy Cohen listens to our podcast and stole my baby name. But anyway, Enough about me and my own silly drama. Yeah, that's awful. My dog's name is Lucy. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> but it, well, we would have never worked out. To be fair, it's short for Lucifer. And so she is that a good thing? You know, she was the devil in the beginning. Now she's a sweet. What kind of dog? We don't know. We just adopted her and she is like something. Who's we? Me, but I was living with uh, my, I live with my, my brother lives in the back house. And so oh, cool. it's kind of our dog response we now have two dogs is together. she like pitbull no she's like half sheepdog half terrier but she is so just cute. like squirrels <laughs> like she will like jump up on the wall and just she used to destroy the <laughs> fencing trying to get to squirrels and again i was like how happy would i be if that was my biggest concern you know so yeah but no, she's the best i love her you're like my huge hedges around my mansion she just like yeah. keeps ruining she's them the gardeners the total carpet <laughs> Okay. Oh, when was the last time you lusted over someone? So who's your like celebrity crush? Every day. <laughs> I'm like the horniest dude in the world. I love, I love like attract, being attracted to somebody. What's your like celebrity ideal type? It's weird because I normally do this question to like 
comics in New York. And yeah. But, like, you guys, like, you probably know a lot of the people. That- I don't know the ones that I like. I've always liked Dua Lipa. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Dua Lipa's up there right now. She's up there because she's got a big butt, too, and that's, like, a big part of it for me. But she's probably the thinnest celebrity that I like. Most of them are, like, I like, you know, like, uh, Rihanna. Yeah. And I like Meg Thee Stallion's pretty high up there. There was that one, Ashley Graham. She's pretty high up there. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Oh, I love her so much. But, again, it's like then you meet, you do end up meeting these people, and you're like, oh, they're just, they're normal. And probably more fucked up than the people listening in your hometown yeah i dated a lot of comics and i always like but if i date a successful one he won't be crazy it turns out they're more crazy there's a reason there's like that's like and then the comics who aren't doing well it's because they're just like nice guys who like (laughs) totally they have nothing to talk about past like maybe one set of stuff they've saved up for 10 years no yeah it's interesting how you said taking the hat on and off because sometimes the like most successful people they're really running from who they really are mm-hmm. so like I've dated comics who like they are always a clown and like they can't turn it off or they just turn into like a monster and you're like totally. where's like just like coffee let's have coffee yeah. and like be- we don't need to make each other laugh 24 7 okay enough about me final question okay You've done great in hell. We've had some ups and downs, but you've done pretty well. You're sweating, which makes me happy. What advice would you give on how to cope with your hell when you're in your darkness, when you're going through it, when it's really bad? Damn. I wish I would have prepped for this question because I could have like a Keanu Reeves moment. (laughs) I know. Where he said that one thing on Colbert, and I was like, wow, that's amazing. It, like, restarted his whole career. Totally. Literally, everyone was like, we love Keanu. Like, okay, zaddy. Yeah. Um, how do you cope with your own hell? I love I love this. This thing really helped me. I don't think it's for everybody, but... Heroin. Yeah, heroin. Um, <laughs> and that's the end of the podcast. Um <laughs> This was something for me, again, when that person said, who do you cry to? I was like, I don't really have anybody. And then she's like, we talked about it. And I came up with this like analogy of um, every one of your relationships is like a tree, like a branch. Like your life is one tree and every relationship is a branch. It's every branch has like leaves on. And those leaves are the experience that you have with that person or that group or whatever. But for me, I never was vulnerable with any of these people. I never opened up to any of them. It was purely make them laugh, make them like me. Trauma dumping is fun sometimes. I never did it though. I was so, I was against my thing because I didn't want to look vulnerable. And we, and then we kind of talked about it and realized that those were the roots of the tree. So as soon as there's any turmoil in your life and turmoil in their life or in each other's life, that tree will fall down Mm. and you'll end up, you know, alone because you just, you didn't show them who you really were and, and kind of open up. So I've been putting some roots down lately. I've been rooting a lot of people. I've been calling some people just sobbing. (laughs) I called one. I told my best friend. I was like, hey, man, this is what's going on. I'm really embarrassed to tell you. And he's like, no, you can tell me. Dude, I'm going through something similar. And he had never opened up to me about that. And it was just two dudes kind of like. Holding each other. They were like edging tears, you know, (laughs) just like. We were, we were like, like, bro, I can let it go if you're ready to yeah. let it go. Do you want to last yeah. a little longer? <laughs> you do it first, and then I swear to God, I'll be right fucking behind you, man. But yeah, we didn't, we didn't fully cry. We were like walking and like not really looking each other in the eye, talking. It was oh, wait, so that's like so cute. And then don't you feel so much closer to him in terms of your friendship? Became like a best friend almost in that moment of like, oh, yeah. this is a relationship I don't want to lose because I was always willing to like, if people left my life, I'd be like, no, yeah, whatever, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Do your thing. But then 
now I'm like, oh, I'd be a really big bummer to lose this person. Now I realize what true friendship is. Well, now I'm reflecting on myself, um, back to me. Damn, and I it. feel, I definitely have people I know I could call crying. That will be great. But I don't do it just because I'm like, I don't need to ruin their day right now. I don't, or some of them care too much where I'm like, they're going to worry about me totally. when I know I'm just having a moment. Yeah. But I do, it's, it's also, it's not always the person you're closest with who's a good person. Like my best friend Absolutely. Paige, hug her and we're like ew why are we like like are all compliment her and she's like literally stop that's so embarrassing for you and like that's she's my person but like she gets me through and through but then I have a friend who like I'm not as close with but I could call her just, like really upset about something like having a, a crazy anxiety thought that makes no sense and she will like drop everything and be like I get you and like Whoa. so it's it's yeah it's finding the people in your life and it doesn't have to be a lot I don't oh. I don't like having too many just a couple people yeah. like I think having like two to three people that if you needed to call somebody and the first person didn't answer and the second person was busy, mm -hmm. you have a third or at least a second to talk to. Yeah, and know that you're still lovable even when you're sad. Almost the most lovable. Yeah. I had a girlfriend for five years and the first time I cried for her, she said she had never been hornier. <laughs> it was like four years into the relationship and I was like, hey, I'm, I think I'm gonna like break down. I'm gonna go to the other room. And she's like, you could do it in here. And I was like- I love how you were like, uh, I'm, I'm gonna cry outside. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go outside for this. Gonna... It's coming in about two minutes. Yeah. Let's put in my Google calendar. Yeah. What were you I... crying about? Um, it, I was like at the saddest moment ever. It felt like I was not in control of my life and nobody was sympathizing with me because I was also at the most successful moment of my life. Oh, this yeah. was like maybe five years that ago. happens all the time. It was, it was a weird really thing. Really lonely. It was a weird thing because like, like I'm making so much money. <laughs> I can't wipe my face with anything but hundreds and they're so crisp. Um, and then one of a uh, friend of mine was killed. And I when it happened and I found out about it, I was like, oh man, that's really fucked up. She was like an acquaintance friend who had interviewed a bunch on the show and everything. And then I found out, I was like, oh my God, that's really, really sad. Like I, but I was in my mind fully, and this is something I would do, and I still do, is like I'd rationalize the emotion, or I try and like l ex explain the emotion to myself as opposed to just feel it. Yeah, you have to feel it, or it like just like lives in you. And it lived in me for months, and I would just think, and we had like, it's know. almost like masturbating. You know, when you feel you're like, oh, I can masturbate right now, and if you don't, then you're just fucking blue balling everywhere. Okay, that is how I deal with. <laughs> People dying in my life is very similar to that. But what is it then when I don't need to masturbate, but I do masturbate anyway? <laughs> just, <laughs> that's just like like when you cry at a car commercial just because you felt like it, yeah, you know? Yeah, like a really fun yogurt commercial. You just go, oh. I do have to say normalize guys crying because I think I've been turned on by a guy crying before. Once a guy... Actually, my husband was crying when we were watching Love on the Spectrum and he started crying. Ah, oh, such a good show. And like, he never cries at like actual sad things, but he was just like, it's just really touching. And I was like, oh my God. He loved it. But I also, I loved it. But then like, he didn't really cry on our wedding and I was like. Mm. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, thanks for reminding me. I have to f text him about that. Um, Anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for coming to help. Where thank can people you. watch you, follow you? Give me the tea. Yeah, I guess just on Instagram, at Hunter March, and then from there you'll get all the info for the show for Nightly Pop. Amazing. And you're a good follow, too. You're a good follow. I try to just post fun stuff. Just light, airy, fun things. I don't need people not to like me. We've gone <laughs> over this. I am not posting anything that can be judged. Thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>